When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presenting by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark is anchored in the studio. Hope you're doing all right as uh, we dive forward now as we hold our breath till spring football starts. A little basketball to get into and finish up and uh, plenty of insight as well. Brandon Vogel going to join us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine in about 20 minutes. Get Vogel's take on the class and the Matt Rule era as, uh, you know, 24 hours ago we're chopping up audio and reacting, getting ready to talk about Rule's press conference and the class. We'll throw some of our two cents in on some names to watch. It's inexact for sure and really good story that will uh, parse through from Max Olson from The Athletic as it's been another study of the transfer portal and the top 50 quarterbacks. So we'll get there. How many stayed? How many left? How many thrived? And how many just well, kind of hung in <laughs> and uh, collected gear? So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. We'll get the uh, the quarterback and recruiting thoughts as well from Gary Barnett in one hour. Coach Barnett will join us at five oh five, and then Amir Abdullah will join us. Get his take on some Nebraska football stuff. His time with the Raiders, and also what he enjoyed, and some insight to Matt Rule. Uh, how much contact was there between Matt Rule and Amir Abdullah about Nebraska? Uh, so we'll talk with Amir Abdullah at 525. Can watch the show, can stream the show, ways to get involved and in touch with us. Easy to do. ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Catch Damon and Andrew in the morning, 7 to 9. Catch us, Hale Varsity, 4 to 6 on the way home with the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle. Last thought, phone numbers to get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Guys, pretty apparent from Coach Rule, it's really not a day, a day later to exhale. The sprint continues. And I still think, I mean, that's been the, the talk and the buzz here leading up to signing day and then after signing day. Okay, this is the talent you accumulated. Uh, this is the talent you miraculously, quite frankly, put together with 28 high school kids, 11 portal kids uh, in, in, in little less than two months. 
and okay, now go forward. And by all intents and purposes, Nebraska, from a ranking standpoint, isn't far off or has been right about where they've always been. Despite a coaching change, uh, you had a guy come in and, and really grind to get it done. And there's a lot of questions uh, for Nebraska moving forward. Portal hits, high school contributors early, and then what about the guys that are still on the roster? Where do they go? How much improvement do they make and have in a spring to get ready for fall? And then there's the excitement of, of fall, right? And then, of course, the 2024 cycle in 2025. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's still the Riola apple that is out there. So still a lot of football to get into. But overall, um, the, the, the theme of speed is going to be good. And, you know, Rule is going to go high school first, but it's okay to sprinkle and supplement uh, what's going on in the portal. So we'll spend some time on that. What's up with your home state, Connor, and uh, the Illinois student section pulling a monster fraud or trying to? I don't know. I don't claim them. Okay. Just to, <laughs> you, that's you've why heard I'm about here. this, though, right? Yes, no, I have. With the just, Orange Crush situation. The Orange Crush, just to reset this, it's not quite the Harvard-Yale prank where you, <laughs> where you handed out cards and when the other team scored, uh, you held it up and it said, we suck. <laughs> it's not quite uh, British Premier League soccer and uh, how nasty the hooligans get after one another but it is take a special type personality to pose as a non-profit boys and girls club to secure tickets well because they do that every year they do the the one trip a year and i like the from what i understand from friends that go there and from people who i've met that have gone there the orange crush is you, like, you have to apply to get into it. It's, like, a very big, like, Are you branded thing. like it's Yellowstone? Well, it, it's, it's a big charitable organization, yeah. actually, the Orange Crush. So it is. To, to get on this 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 trip in general, so this year is going to be to Iowa City, obviously. To get on this yearly trip, you have to raise a certain amount of money for local charities. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, then you can buy your ticket through the student section so and go it, on the trip. the heart is in the right place for this. Yeah. Yes. The, the problem is that this year they mm-hmm. posed as the Illinois Boys and Girls Club. And bought, I believe it was 250 tickets to Carver Hawk Arena. It was approved. Why they're angry is they're like, either you guys knew this whenever we bought the tickets, or you guys just waited until three days before the game to dunk on us and do well on social media. <laughs> that, that's why they're upset because they're like, we've been doing the this tickets every have been year. revoked. This is a, a very well known tradition that occurs in college basketball. If you didn't see this order for 250 tickets coming from Champaign, Illinois, that was for the Boys and Girls Club. Like, you should immediately know, oh, that's probably the Orange Crush pulling the yearly prank. So I think that's where their anger comes from. I will say, I think it's one of the cooler traditions in Big Ten basketball, the fact that they go travel on the road, and then before the game starts, like just before opening tip-off, they, they take off the, the clothes of whatever school that they're at. So this year would have been Iowa. They would have been oh, decked I on Iowa I didn't know here. that. So they, they go in there actually posing like they're fans until just before tip-off, and then they go whip off the Iowa gear, whatever, whatever <laughs> so they gear go in, They go, go in camo. You know what? Yes. You should just go in there wearing your orange. I mean, who cares? Like, right. Rep your, it's not like rep you're your rolling, school. It's not like you're rolling into Arrowhead or Mile High. Well, and then, like, think about the team factor here, too, where this Illinois basketball team, they don't know the Orange Crush is going to be there until a couple moments before tip-off, and then, oh, now we have a 
250 person student section contingent cheering us on wearing red just as loud as the entire rest of the arena because I'm sure they're all liquored up for this like it's a great tradition like there's a whole bunch of videos of the Illinois basketball team like pointing in the crowds just for tip off going oh the orange crush is here like it's a great tradition I think it's disappointing that Iowa I see it from both sides it's disappointing that Iowa went and revoked the tickets because it is a great tradition but I also understand them going well, why would we can't have that many folks yeah, in our can't have that many folks here, and let's give these tickets off to a better okay, cause. Okay, but like, and then you have a reason for it. They posed as somebody else. Uh, they posed there, as there a yeah. fraudulent that's, activity. That's yes. definitely the best reason why. But it, say that doesn't happen, and if the reason why they're revoking tickets is because you don't want the opposing fans in your building, I mean, that's just a part of it. Especially if you're a, a Big Ten school that has a pretty solid basketball program, which Iowa does and you're playing Illinois, who has a pretty solid basketball program, it, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, do you want to hear some of these these past trips that they've done? Because some of them are hilarious. In 2007, they posed as the uh, Chicago Area Penn State Alumni Association in order to get into <laughs> a, a Penn State game. Why? They got, For basketball? They, they got floor-level <laughs> seats right next to the Penn State student well, it's section. Well, because everyone can get floor-level seats <laughs> next to the student cave. section. Uh, let's see. They... In 2005, they posed as Youth Action, a fictitious Chicago-area youth, youth group. <laughs> that, that got them uh, front row seats at the Chrysler Arena at Michigan. Oh, they no. were also offered a tour of the Chrysler Arena, but declined. Oh my God. Instead, the entire group took a photo opportunity with then-coach Tommy Amaker. That's, so, a, that's so hilarious. 200 people took a picture with the coach, and they didn't that's reveal themselves. Tommy was shown the door. Reason number two was the <laughs> student section debacle. My respect for Illinois is just going way up right now. That is hysterical. It's, it's hilarious. Now I was going to ruin the tradition this year. That was the best those thing are I some, Those right. are some great fake organizations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some, some well-thought-out stuff. You see this come into the ticket request. All right, maybe it's a big game, maybe it's not. And if you're Penn State, you just want warm bodies to buy more hot dogs and soda, presumably, uh, most years. Has anyone ever ransacked Nebraska? I mean, I know the Antlers would make their way in, and the Antlers were an angry group of Missourians that would, well, they'd have antlers on their hats or some sort of T-shirt. The Antlers, uh, as urban legend had it, uh, I think kidnapped Little Red during the 97 oh, Nebraska-Missouri no. game and drug him up in the oh, student no. section. <laughs> I mean, everybody seems to hate he, Little Red, though, so uh, they probably didn't mind it. No, well, I mean, uh, unfortunately, Little Red made it out. <laughs> was the problem. But uh, The Orange Crush did, in fact, invade Nebraska on February 18th, 2012. Nebraska beat Illinois 80-57 to in that game, and Illinois uh, was sitting in the nosebleeds. Okay. Well, there you go. Section 300 pre-PBA of the old Devaney Center. I got it. Yeah, the old wooden seats. That was the, the final year of the Devaney Center, if I remember correctly. It was. Yeah, you guys can come here. Uh, let's go to the phones here in a moment. But, no, this is uh, pretty ingenious by the uh, the Illinois uh, fan base. And, and good for them with the charity that they try and do or do do to then take that next step and, and get on the road. Um Nebraska fans don't need to pose. They do their talking with cold, hard cash for Boulder, mm-hmm. for Minnesota, for Ireland from a football standpoint. And there's a few folks. I mean, you do see some red on the road. Um, 
when when it comes to basketball. But, but there is something special about like not having your own little mini section, like actually just being that that one lone person in the sea full. Of, like I, I went and sat in the Iowa student section a couple years ago, and it was one of the most fun game day experiences mm-hmm. I ever had your, because your the Iowa fans hated up, me. Yes, exactly, sure. exactly. That makes it more fun. We uh, we found our way into the the, the buff student section in '97. Thank you. Lived to tell the tale. No, I sat by three guys from small town Nebraska. And they walked in with two suitcases of, of Bush Light. They just walked into the stadium with them. The security guard didn't care. And then he had trust fund pukes trying to start a fight with guys that like wear overalls for real mm. and don't wear sleeves. All right, from rural Nebraska. I'm not knocking. I'm saying it was like 25 degrees and they didn't care. And it was on. And let's just say trust fund Boulder kids didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> As they're throwing buff fans... <laughs> Nebraska's up twenty-one to three, throwing Buff fans out of the way that are you know mocking them right before halftime, and then have a beer. It, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I love to tell about it. There's a lot of bark with Buffs, but not so much bite. Who's with us? We have Tom on the line. Okay, Tom, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Schmitty. Hi. Um, yeah, Illinois student section did that. At a uh, basketball game back at Devaney mm-hmm. when right. Sadler 20, was Twenty twelve, uh, Elijah just kind of laid out the. It was a blowout win for Nebraska. It was. It was. Uh, they were, oh, to the uh, to the left of me, about twenty rows up, kind of a uh, oh, about two thirds mm-hmm. of the way up. I thought, gosh, before the game, what's a bunch of student section kids doing clear up there? But all of a sudden, they started cheering and chanting, and I looked, and it went from red to orange. <laughs> My God, they just would not shut up. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> but, uh, g- good for Doc. But, uh, uh, yeah. Delivering they, a blow. They, they got the lead and uh, beat them convincingly, and uh, they didn't have much to, to cheer about the last 10 or 15 minutes of no. the game, no, which, it, was, which was nice. It, it was good. Tom, thanks for the phone call. Good to hear from you. But we got to talk to Markowski next week about the Antlers because that's the, that's the group that's – I don't want to say deadly, but divisive I, for, I think from, he, from Missouri. He's he's mentioned them like before. Two years ago, we once or twice, he, he mentioned them, but I want to get the, the full in-depth like story. They do their research oh, on yeah. players pre-iPhone. Like ex-girlfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. pregnancies. Like I mean, it was, <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> you, you want to hear a, a good story real quick? Yes. Uh, when Logan Foster, Husker baseball player yeah, yeah, for yeah, a year yeah. two, whenever he's down at Texas A&M, he wouldn't play at Ole Miss and he was playing in uh, right field, which is right in front of the uh, Ole Miss student section. Oh, and yeah. uh, who was in the Ole Miss student section but my buddy Grant, who was good friends with Logan back in high school and had all the dirt on him and passed it around. Oh, Why? no. He totally, he totally backstabbed Logan, yeah, but what? it was like oh. the... It was like, yeah, yeah. Why, why, why it was like the, I know we're friends, but we're not going to be friends for this weekend because I'm, <laughs> I'm Team Ole Miss today. <laughs> no. Wow. You don't sell your buddy out. Can't do it. Won't do it. Yeah, so like family information, ex-girlfriends, no, right, all that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Man. So the Ole Miss student, did he, did he pay? For, did he sell the information? No, I just gave it away free of charge. Oh I think Ole Miss got the series victory that weekend, so it paid That's off. That's unbelievable. That is no good. You got to talk to your boy down at Ole Miss. Yeah. You're, you're like, you don't care. They, they, they do it differently down there. It was the entertaining South. for you. Uh-huh. So, well, Vogues can shed some light, too, maybe on the Antlers. But no, I just know that, like, whenever I'd go to Nebraska basketball games and and there'd be a few Missouri fans that would roll up, this is back in the Devante days, there was about eight or nine super seniors uh, that were Missouri fans that were in, in the Devante Center and 
they they were all sorts. They had the uh, the antler the, uh, the antler T shirt or hat or something going, and they were they were they were not to be reckoned with. And then especially on the road, the antler section. I think they've been disbanded. Mm. But man, they were like the Delta House of traveling fan bases mm-hmm. uh, with Missouri. I don't know who Bluto was or uh, who uh, who uh, uh, Pinto was, but they they were good at intimidating and and at one point uh, commandeered little red so i'm good for that guys uh, let's do grades real quick on the recruiting class uh again future grade versus actual grade but overall i mean nebraska ends up anywhere between 25th and 28th for what they brought in and they're in the top 24 portal uh gets they were 10th last year in the portal i'll say this i think 20 is kind of low. I, I, I think with, I mean, think about getting three guys from Georgia. Uh, you get a guy from A&M. You get, you get a lot of SEC talent. You get some major power five talent. And you get a quarterback in Sims that staff's really excited about. I mean, I think, I think 20 might be a little low. I think you're not building a roster on the transfer portal edition. That's the difference between this year and last. Yeah. Well, uh, get to Brandon Vogel coming up. Hail Varsity on a Thursday presented by... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Amir Abdullah, one hour, Hale Varsity, presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Steve weighs in on Twitter, uh, imploring uh, Nebraska fans about 25,000 seats to be purchased for the Buff game this September. Oh, I think money will talk. They can say all they want about Prime's first home game. It may look like 2019. Also, Steve says it was a lot of fun as a student at UNL sitting in the bleachers behind the opposing team's bench yelling at the likes of Norm Stewart and Billy Tubbs. That is fun. Those two are like classic <laughs> guys that may come across the bench well, my, my and favorite, stare you down. My favorite student section memory of the past five years of Husker basketball was the Mo Wagner moment whenever he was having a bad game against Nebraska, so the student section just chanted his name incessantly. And like He had his worst game of the season that game. The Remember Michigan guy? Yeah. Well, he, they still won by three. 30 every time they visited Nebraska, <laughs> Michigan did. Brandon Vogel is with us. Vogues, do you have a, a memorable moment as a, a you know pre-Hale Varsity road trip uh, aficionado? Uh, any, any Nebraska roadies you, you went into enemy territory or any opposing fan bases that you particularly rank as threatening? And can you fill me in on the antlers? I'm trying to racked my brain. I just know that they were scary and they were associated with Missouri. Um, yeah. Antlers are not not familiar. So I'll need, I'll need to bring in an expert myself. Um, in terms of hostile Nebraska environments, not a ton. Like At the time that I kind of started really going to Nebraska games, like you know, I was living in Boston. 
game with Blake at Pitt, uh, which okay. was which was weird. I remember tailgating under a, a freeway, um, but <laughs> Pitt fans were plenty welcoming, and that that was not a very exciting game. A, another road trip I definitely made uh, was to Wake Forest. Was that? 2006 or 2007 i definitely remember in the parking lot parking lot of our hotel having a conversation with husker fans about kind of the bill callahan era and where we were at it must have been 2007 because we're coming off 2006 and that was a a good uh well lubricated conversation i guess for (laughs) for lack of a better term at like 11 p.m at night in a hotel parking lot but nothing, nothing too bad, like being doused with beers or, or anything like that. So I, I guess I lucked out. Or maybe I just went to places where, let's say, the football passion maybe wasn't quite what you'd see at a, a Colorado or someplace like that. It always got funky in Boulder. And Nebraska would race out to large leads and then hang on to the bitter end. So your buzz was gone by, by like the middle of the fourth quarter. Every Colorado-Nebraska game ended up like the fourth quarter of the Iowa game. Legit. That's just how it worked, no matter if Nebraska was working on a national championship. Not for 95, but, uh, you know, 97 and 99, and then we know what happened in 01. But they were they were tight, tight ball games. The worst, I had some, some guys probably, probably from your hometown I was sitting next to in the, the, the end zone. That, the, with the, you know, there's a ramp that says Colorado. Where Amon Green would race up like he's Superman after scoring, you know, sixty-yard runs. Um, I was sitting by by Nebraska guys, and they they just started tossing Colorado fans that were trying to get in their face. And the student section, <laughs> uh, the the security was laughing because he hated the Colorado students much like the, the Nebraska fans. Arizona State '96 was bad. I think my brother still sees a therapist for that, <laughs> not because of the the, the game. Or the outcome, but because we're like top row right below the suites at Sun Devil Stadium. And you had people up there that were just absolutely screaming down, heckling, and you had they had a clear view of you. So they just keep pouring beers on on us all game long. Now, being under twenty one, but but in college, I just would turn it open my mouth and it worked out well but my brother thought that was you know being 14 at the time he was he was upset about it so arizona state will rank number one forever but uh that was their their moment in time after nebraska hung 77 the year before goddard did you sneak in anywhere and get heckled or, or hammered not hammered but you know what i mean bothered i've gotten really i guess the only bad experience and it wasn't even like bad, and it hasn't been in college sports. But whenever us Cub fans take the uh, forty-five minute venture north to Miller Park, oh yeah, things can get a little chippy because those two fan bases don't like each other. It's a newer rivalry. Not many people believe that it's a rivalry, but it, trust me, it is. Cub fans and Brewer fans do not get along, but it is a good time because it's usually fifty-fifty fan wise. Okay. It's great. And I'll just say from from my days, it was. I feel like a lot more difficult for fans to be mean and nasty whenever they were steamrolling Nebraska. You know, whenever you, you show up and and they've won by forty, they, they're not going to be that mean That's and nasty. A sad, to you. sad take, but it's accurate. Vogues, what'd you learn yesterday from? Well, I, I, go ahead. I was thinking the same thing as like at the time, like I said, that Pitt game and that Wake Forest game. That was obviously the Callahan era. Like at that point, you know, things weren't 
things weren't where they were headed quite yet, but <laughs> you got the sense like this wasn't the same old Nebraska. They were quite, they were easier to, to not dislike even at that early stage, though they were still some lingering of like, Hey, maybe we haven't had a chance to beat Nebraska for quite some time. Let's go ahead and do it now. But it was starting, the, the cracks in the foundation were starting to show. I hear that it's just not good ever going down to Manhattan for, for a lot of Nebraska fans for some of those years when K-State was trying to, to climb up and they had one year where they were, were really awesome with, with Michael Bishop. But uh, that, was, that was a tough roadie for some. Vogues, what would you learn yesterday from Coach Rule? What, what do you think of the, uh, the finishing touches on the class? Yeah, um, I mean, the amount of turnover, well, it's not even turnover yet because as we talked about, I think, you know, previously, Nebraska hasn't had the attrition I kind of thought they had the potential to have just with a coaching change. But you look at the raw numbers between transfers and the, the 2023 class, which is now signed and sealed in full, uh, bringing in close to 40 guys, which is just a, a massive amount of players to – new players to to add to a team and it's it's hard when you kind of fast forward this thing i know we got to get through spring football um and the whole off season before or you know after that but it's it, it makes it really interesting and kind of difficult to project and plenty of other teams are in this boat as well colorado i think one of the chief among them where you bring in that many new guys like how much do we really know about what nebraska can be in 2023 luckily we've got a lot of time to to figure it out, but uh, it'll be interesting with this, this class, you know, the, this coaching staff has put a real emphasis on their ability to, to develop. And I think their track record backs that up. Um, you've got some really intriguing players who, you know, may look a little raw on film or in terms of their ratings. But if, if Nebraska hits on a handful of those um, have a chance to, to really have an early success story. I think that's kind of my lasting will be my lasting memory of this 2023 class um, as a class. Now they just become players of Nebraska, and we evaluate them that way. Brandon Vogel is with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter as we're talking uh, signing day for Nebraska 24 hours later. I, I really loved Rule's take on, well, we should recruit well here. And you've had different takes from different staffs over the last two decades about what recruiting should be with Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I, you want to see that attitude from, from a head coach, like we've seen at times, not just, you know, recently, but over the past decade to 15, 15 years, probably going back to the start of the Callahan era, I think at various times, maybe minus Riley, you know, you've seen all of the, the staffs at Nebraska kind of, acknowledge at least um some kind of chafed against like <laughs> some of the re- inherent recruiting challenges at, at at in lincoln um and those are all well worn we don't need to run through those again but yeah it's it's a little bit harder than it is say if you're located in clemson south carolina or in georgia but <clears throat> you have a lot to sell here and i think if you believe in your ability to evaluate you know, it's 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 still hard for me to see Nebraska unless it you know this this rule error really takes off. It's hard for me to see Nebraska consistently being like a top fifteen in terms of those those team recruiting rankings. 
but I don't think you have to be mm. to to do what Nebraska needs to do. So we'll see if they can get there. Like I said, this class kind of it, it ended up in a similar spot to to most Nebraska classes of the Big Ten era, and that's pretty good given where it was when when the staff started. Brandon Vogel's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, what will your metric for evaluation be for this class over the next couple of seasons? What are you going to be looking for to, in your mind, evaluate whether or not Matt Rule had a successful first class or an unsuccessful first class? Um, I, I Well, I think this might be unique to first in particular. You know, you go back to that 2018 class with Nebraska, and, and things are even different now compared to that with just the – you know, one-time transfer rule, uh, how many of them can you keep? You know, you bring in this many guys um, approaching approaching 30, something you couldn't do in the past. Is it going to be a standard attrition rate for Nebraska, which tends to be about 40 45%? Um, is it going to be better than that? Is it going to be worse? Uh, I mean, that, that 2018 class, even within like two or three years on campus, almost half of them, were, were gone. And, and granted, the transfer portal changed that some for that group. But ultimately, I mean, we'll be able to see what those guys do on the, on the field and what kind of players they develop into. You'll got, say, 70% of those guys on campus and, and playing and contributing. That's probably going to be the ultimate marker of success for me. Vogues, it's interesting to, to see where we are in the world of college football just because of the portal and, you know, how many starts do I have and, and how soon am I on the field and, and the patience level. And the, there's an incentive to transfer, at least recently, because of COVID and NIL. And it's just tough to keep people here. But if you can do it, uh, it, can, it can be really good for you, on, specifically on the lines of scrimmage in a league like the Big Ten. What's coming up from you this weekend here before we say goodbye? Yeah, so with a little more time and, you know, the the class fully in the books, I'm kind of interested to to dig into it a little bit more. There's some things that I tend to look at with with each class in terms of how close they are to Lincoln or how not close, you know, in some cases. When we were at the end of December, this was a, a fairly local class by comparison. Um, it's never going to be, you know, all that close to Lincoln. Um, but you're talking average distance, right about 500 miles. Um, so that's intriguing. I think that helps you, uh, when it comes to the attrition part of the discussion, um, in terms of the player ratings, it's something I'm also interested in. Um, Nebraska tends to do better in what I've researched when, you know, you can look at those average ratings and see a little more talent, uh, on the defensive side. Uh, then the offensive side, this year's group came in pretty close to even. So so that'll be something worth watching and just kind of digging into with past classes a little bit. So those are a couple of things I'm working on. Vogues, can't wait for it. We'll talk Saturday. Thanks for the time today, bud. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10. $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 25 minutes. Gary Barnett will be with us at Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And at C underscore Clark underscore 27, as uh, we're talking Nebraska signing just class. Get the side eye every time. No, I just <laughs> grin. I grin and bear it because I'm waiting for you to crack up with the, uh, I'm going to come back, you know, we're going to come back and Connor's going to be uh, during summertime or after spring semester's done, you'll, you'll take a breather to, to Chicago and then come back and poof, the Twitter handle will be changed. Because maybe I'll surprise you. No, and you keep C dash Clark dash twenty seven. It's going to be C, yeah underscore. Maybe it'll be in brackets next time. You just Ooh. whatever Twitter allows. Uh, new owner, so you can go to town. Man. I know. I'll probably have to pay for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll he'll charge you. Cotter's Twitter handle is the most expensive Twitter handle with all to be an extra fifty cents per day. Yeah. Uh, per underscore. So we're we're keeping with the underscore theme. We're we're talking about Nebraska's class and that retention topic and we know where it's gone for Nebraska and it's it's really been to me about guys being misused not as developed or guys just getting frustrated with the situation i.e. not winning no uh, Nebraska has been very progressive with the portal and they've done well at least last year they, they really cleaned up in the portal I think this year that's my main question. How many of these 11 hit? I think you're going to see Sims. I don't know if he starts, but you'll see Sims. And he has two years, okay? Uh, to me, it, it easier said than done, but it feels like Rule and his staff are going to put the relationship work in that even if you're not playing as much as you want, you like me, so you can stick around and we'll get you better. They're going to be able to sell that to portal and high school alike and maybe just maybe their attrition rate will will decrease comparatively to other programs i think you're going to see some of the sec guys get a quick nod and and time will tell how many of the leftover guys that's not a knock but what i mean by leftover is guys that are still part of this program that have been in the program that going to get a new lease on life with a new coach and and maybe a chance at a winning season and I think whether the, some of those guys get beat out or not, time will tell. I, I don't envision somebody coming in and beating out a Rhymer. I don't envision somebody coming in and beating out Ty Robinson or, you know, the, the key pieces to Nebraska's secondary. I just don't think that is. But I think there's some complementary pieces that are big. Uh, and, and you can mix and match there. What happens with the offensive line, too? I mean, who, who wins a job, who keeps a job, who continues to platoon on that spot? And the running back spot, if you're, if you're Allen and Grant, can you be happy with a one-two punch and sprinkle in some, some Ramir? There's other running backs on the roster. No quarterbacks left yet either. Well, and, and I don't know that that, that number stays uh, as, as strong as it is. And what's really interesting to me whenever you look ahead at, at spring football is a lot of people are saying, well, Nebraska needs to get under the scholarship limit, so guys that aren't going to be getting playtime are, are going to be leaving. And let's also 
throw a, a little caution out there and that there could be previous starters from this Husker football team that go into the portal post spring. You know, mm-hmm. you get a, a spring football under a new position coach and you realize, hey, I'm not, I'm just not jiving with this guy. There's a freshman below me that's really pushing me right now, and I'm going to go find a, a position coach that I jive with more in a place that. Um, I don't want to say you're going to be running away from competition, but going to a place where you're going to be guaranteed some playtime. And you know what? If you're now, I'm not listing any names with any knowledge, but say you're Quentin Newsom and you don't get along with Evan Cooper, and you see some, some younger guys hypothetically, 100% hypothetically, you're going to say, you know what? Maybe I'll go transfer closer to home for a year, put down one year in a new system, and then go off to the NFL. Like that's still very possible. So uh, I. Kind of as with Matt Rule talking yesterday, saying I, I hesitate to put holes in the roster. I also hesitate to say there's any positions that are truly locked down because it, it's not just the guys that are buried on the depth chart that might be looking transfer portal this spring. But I think when you look at this incoming class, who a lot of talent there, uh, I think a lot of development needs to be done, but there is mm-hmm. talent there. I think it's less important right now to look at attrition rate in a, a year one just because you know there's going to be attrition rate whenever you've had to build a relationship with a coach over the course of three weeks, four weeks, and you commit. Like, there's going to be attrition. I think the bigger question is hit rate, which, yeah, it's obvious to say, but what percentage of these guys, of these 28 incoming freshmen, are contributing two years from now? What percentage of these guys are starting two years from now? If you have a 50% hit rate, but 12 of the 14 guys are starting on offense or defense, you still call this this class successful. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, your odds of having 12 of 14 guys contributing, if, say, 50% did leave this class, is low, but... That's why I don't want to look at attrition rate as hard in this first class because just whenever there is that that limited time to go build relationships and understand what a school is all about, you're expecting there's going to be some attrition. I'll say this, Connor and Elijah. I think it wasn't a whirlwind as far as let's go get bodies. I think there was enough research done and time put in that – they didn't go after guys. They went after talent, yes, but I think they went after guys that they think fit because it's going to be a certain mentality. And Rule talked about that yesterday. You, you need to really like football and you need to be a really hard worker. And I'm not saying kids that are are high stars or uber talented in high school aren't hard workers, but there's a different level of work that you're going to need when you come into a college football program in the Big Ten than maybe you're used to in high school. Well, and I've said this about multi-sport athletes before, sorry not to cut you off, Connor, but like multi-sport athletes to me are impressive not because like, oh, they showcase athleticism in different ways. It's because you don't have a full 365 days to dedicate to your one sport that you're getting good at. If you're a football mm-hmm. player who plays basketball in the summer, uh, in the winter, you play baseball in the spring, and then maybe you're on a, a travel AAU team in the summertime, yet you're still a high-level Division One football player, that's showing me you should have natural athleticism that's off the charts. Well, I think, too, that a, a phrase that could like maybe describe the situation that we're talking about is there's beauty in the struggle, right? Because mm-hmm. you talk about all these guys who could potentially be leaving just because they're getting pushed or they don't you know, mesh with their new position coach or what have you. But those guys who emerge are emerging for a reason in that spring ball period. So despite, you know, you want to focus on the guys that are leaving, especially if they're bigger names or previous starters, as Elijah mentioned. But at the same time, I think you have to come to appreciate, especially as fans too, you have to come to appreciate the guys who are emerging from the crowd and who are separating themselves and earning that playing time because clearly they're on the roster for a reason. They're a Big Ten school. They're good at football in some way, shape, or form. And if they're emerging from the crowd, they're doing that for a reason, and I think they're doing that because they deserve it. Well, the clean slate of... 
uh, new and retained is is good for Nebraska. And uh, if you're a, a two-year starter on the offensive line and you, you really like what has been going on with Coach Donnie, you get a chance to see him for another year and then maybe have a little bit better connection between game plan, identity, offensive coordinator, commitment to run game, and and maybe you have a dual-thread quarterback win the job. Maybe Casey comes back and keeps the job, and uh, it's a clean slate. And, and, and Rule is going to focus on what's the future look like versus what you've done in the past, just because it is all new. We'll wind down this first hour. Hail Varsity continues presented by... With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time this hour. Ten minutes, Gary Barnett at 520 tonight. Amir Abdullah going to be with us. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. So big game boomer has put out his student section college basketball power rankings. Not and, this guy again. Well, you know. Well, I, I actually like something that's on his list this time. Okay, so in the uh, the rankings, um, I do not see Nebraska. That's a problem. That is definitely a problem. You yeah, want to know what's not a problem? And this is just my fandom coming back from the old Chicagoland area. Uh-huh. DePaul is number eight in the Big East. I don't think that's ever happened in my entire life. So I just had to throw that out there because I got really excited. Hey, and credit that. to Connor. Whenever he came <laughs> over to my house, like, what was that, two weeks ago to pick up screwdrivers yeah. from me? We're watching uh, the Nebraska basketball look game. At, look at you helping a miner out in need. The the tool. Okay. The tool, not the drink. I still haven't given them back. <laughs> the tool, <laughs> not the drink. Thank you very much. Anyway, we're sitting there watching the Husker basketball game, and Connor goes, what's the score of the DePaul game? Like, during the middle of the Husker basketball, it's a close they game, They always play at the same time, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> it is so annoying. DePaul's not been good. Who was the one dude they had, like, in 04 or 08? Who was the guy who played for the Clippers? Oh, Chandler? Wilson no, Chandler? No, there was a guy before that. It was probably before you were born. Okay. I'm blurring my, my years. But, I mean, the, the DePaul era of the Mark Aguirre-led Final Four squad well, yeah. from 40 years ago that I kind of remember, well, I don't remember, but I know of. Yeah, DePaul, because didn't weren't they supposed to be good? Isn't it impossible to suck recruiting the city of Chicago if you're DePaul and you're a private school and now there's NIL? Well, you'd think, but mm-hmm. apparently it's still a, a major and issue. And it bothers you because you grew up going to those games, right? I, I've been going to those games since I was three months old mm-hmm. and have, have yet to quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's top ten rankings of, of the college basketball uh, power index. That's why there's a cutoff, but apparently Penn State fans squeeze in at 10. Michigan 9, Wisconsin 8, Northwestern 7. Okay. Illinois, they got to be higher than 6 based on mm-hmm. how they've tried to get into Iowa City. At least they're in front there. Maryland's 5. <laughs> that should be an instant up 2 spots. <laughs> Rutgers, is, Rutgers is 4. The rack's always just banging. It's always mm-hmm. 
high yeah. level, high energy. It's good for the Big Ten. Indiana's three. Their fan base is good. Sparty, Michigan State fans are good. Mm-hmm. Purdue fans are always engaged, and they've been good forever, so they, they should be. But K-State squeezes out over Kansas, their student section. Oh, I don't know about that. There might be an argument there. I've watched a couple of K-State I think it's more, more rowdy at K-State. The octagon of doom. Yeah, but, I, but I think I think Kansas, man. I mean, their students have been something. I mean, they've oh, been yeah. seeing winning Some, basketball for something years. Something tells me that K State got the nod because they're still undefeated at home this year. They're twelve and zero. They, ha- they haven't lost a yeah. home game, so I think whenever you have a, a tight race such as that, you give it to the team that hasn't That's lost a good at home. Take, yep. See, and, and Arizona State is is not on this list. And do they still have the curtain of shame? Or did they oh, did they ban that? Curtain of distraction. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Like Michael. Phelps I don't. Came I out. don't know if they still do that. <laughs> that was incredible. Where there's, <laughs> might have been Arizona State the other night. I saw this on Twitter where there's like ten guys in a row. Uh, in Speedos. Oh, I saw that, too. <laughs> their student section is awesome. And their, their chest is painted. They have goggles on, and they, they mimic like they're they're doing crew rowing. <laughs> and it was really disturbing if you're a free throw shooter. <laughs> Gotta love a Wednesday uh-huh. in Tempe. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Shirts and goggles. The one's optional. Hour two next. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing. And they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at FSCEdge.com. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, as we welcome in Hall of Fame coach with Colorado, with Northwestern, and uh, standout player and Hall of Famer at Missouri, Gary Barnett with us to get going. Coach, how's the week been? Thanks for the time. Well, it's been uh, interesting watching all the recruiting, the signees, which, uh, you know, it used to be this was the biggest day of the year for college football fans. And now it's just another day because most of the work's already been done. And so it's sort of interesting to watch how this calendar has changed. But uh, 
still some interesting guys, but still not what it used to be. No, Nebraska ended up uh, able to, to, to add five more. They have 28 high school players, 11 portal coach, and, and 39 uh, new additions overall. Coach Prime, and uh, I know Colorado really closed well with the high school talent, a lot of five stars, and then also did well in the portal. And, and I want to ask you here, what, what's, a, what's a new normal for you when it comes to hit rate versus attrition here in this portal and NIL era? Oh, boy. You know, Chris, it's, it's, just, it's gone up and up each mm-hmm. year. And so I don't know what the real hit rate's going to be. I mean, Colorado's taken, I think, 26 portal kids now. Um, and so uh, when you look at the average, it looks like it's somewhere between 12 and 16 to 17 kids leaving mm-hmm. every year. That's what sort of looks like to me for, for, for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's um, going to be a grad transfer or whether it's, you know, you know, a coach comes in, like in Prime's case, and says, that, you know, really, we we need you to move on. We're not going to keep you around. So he, he goes in, or if the kid decides he wants to go in. So it's, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's new territory here, I think, for everybody. But it, it looks like to me it's about 12 to 16 is, is pretty average. What's the reality when it comes to recruiting in, in Colorado. I want to get your take there. And then also Coach Rule yesterday in his presser saying, look, uh, this is Nebraska. We, we should recruit well. And that's not always been the mindset for some coaches in Lincoln uh, just because it's not a, a direct flight. But kind of compare each spot. You coached against Nebraska for a lot of years, but you also recruited against Nebraska and you were able to get. So how difficult each spot to get kids to? Well, I, I, you know, it's um, we we went to the places where there were a lot of students, um, regular students from those places like California. You know, there were a lot of just regular students going to Colorado from California. So that was an area it seemed like because there was so much interest by so many people in in CU at. At that time, it was it was normal to go get the athletes from there too. And Texas, because we'd always had a pipeline there, and it's because it's you know really one of the best places to recruit in the country. Period. And then Colorado for us, because mostly because of my background, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's what you're supposed to do if you're a state school. But it was even more so for me. Um, but Nebraska always came in and, and took a player or two. And and obviously they just took another kid out of they took it the Regis corner mm-hmm. I know uh, just just recently just in this last signee class and it it comes down to like in Matt's case or Coach Prime's case Coach all of Coach Prime's guys oh, Coach Sanders I don't want to call him Coach Prime I don't go I don't go there so <laughs> Coach Sanders Coach Sanders all these guys are from Florida and. Uh, Mississippi, and so this is the first time in like 40 years that we signed like seven players, more players from Florida than any other state. That's the first time that that hasn't been either Colorado, Texas, or California. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
they're going to go there because that's where they're from and that's where they like to recruit. Now, taking them out of there and keeping them out of there is going to be one thing, be, be something else because, uh, you know, that's a big cultural change. It's a big climate change, and it's a, you know, it looks enticing and exciting when you first get going, but living there and going through it, uh, it becomes a different problem no matter where it is. So it, it'll be interesting to watch how this all unfolds. I, I think they only took one player from the state of Colorado. I looked yesterday, there were 16 Power 5 players from Colorado that signed, anywhere from Washington uh, to Wisconsin uh, to Nebraska to Washington State took three, uh, Stanford, um, Arizona State. So, I mean, the, Kansas State took one. So it's, you know, 16 Power 5 is pretty good. And there's another 16 uh, from the group of five that are out there. So Wyoming's, Colorado State's, et cetera. So um, 16's a pretty good number. Uh, and to only get one, you know, someone's sooner or later going to question that. Depends on how many games you win, though. <laughs> but uh, the more... The more Coach Sanders gets acclimated and understands Colorado, he'll he'll probably change that. Coach Gary Barnett's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And do you find that that Colorado had the same issues as Nebraska's had in recent years with with breaking the preconceived notions of kids about a place? Nebraska, you hear from a lot of recruits that come to town. Well, I was expecting a stadium surrounded by cornfields, and, and Lincoln just surprised me with with the kind of city it was. Did you ever experience that at, at Colorado with in the city of Boulder? Well, not really. Um, uh, once again, because we would recruit California, Texas, uh, and Colorado. Primarily, I think, uh, you know, you, you try to get lucky on the weather, but you walk in, you, you land at the airport, and you drive into Colorado, and there's an overlook there, and I, I don't care who you are, if you've got a heartbeat, you get excited. <laughs> and um, so that was never an issue uh, for us. So I mean, once we got those kids from Texas, and they were coming in on Highway 36 over the overlook, uh, I mean, you had you had a hook in them right away. So, uh, and, and, they, and they were all always worried about the weather. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. Kids grow up in the South or Texas, and they they worry about the weather. And in reality, it's not really a big deal. But um, uh, yeah, once once they once you got them on campus, you you always had a chance. Coach Gary Barnett is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach. Over to the Nebraska side for spring ball, trying to get that number of players down to the number of scholarships that you can have. Should fans be more worried about who's emerging themselves from the crowd? Because we talked about this earlier today. Or should they be more worried about who is leaving? Because obviously the guys who are emerging themselves and separating themselves are doing that for a reason. Yeah, and May 1 opens up the portal again. Um but, uh, you know, it's a whole new world out there for all this sort of stuff. And, you know, Nebraska's never had the problem that Colorado's had. when we, We've hardly ever had enough players to do a spring game. You guys have always had enough players. I mean, you, you, you carry 150 guys pretty regularly, I think, or at least that's what it seems like and looks like. Uh, 
So, no, I think for you guys it's going to be who leaves, uh, who who feels like uh, this isn't going to work out for them. Um, and this year, because of so many transfers that are coming in and early enrollees, we're going to have – you know, we're we're gonna have the numbers this year to have a spring game that we haven't had before. So but I, I think to answer your question it would come down to more who who who's gonna leave and who gets weeded out in this process. Coach, did you see Max Olson's article in the athletic on quarterback attrition? I did. And uh your thoughts and just to reset for the audience uh, Max did a deep dive into top 50 quarterbacks from 2017, 2017 through 2020 and some pretty startling numbers. And if you sign a, a stud quarterback coach, he ain't going to be around. <laughs> this is the, the long and short of the story. But any way to, 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 to fight that back, there's instances of guys that, that worked out well and if they made a start – and it went okay, the Trevor Lawrences of the world, then obviously you kept them. But more times than not, you had guys make their way because the grass is greener. That that incentive through this era we're talking about, 17 through 20, um, there's incentive to look elsewhere because of NIL, and you had that free transfer year. Yeah, well, what was the number, 70%? 70%. transferred? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I, I think it's just the way you got to accept it. You know, if you uh, if you got a kid that uh, that is really good and you want to keep him, you better play him. But as a coach, you you know, you're about building character and building teams. And sometimes it's not in the best interest of your team to go play this guy right now. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you balance that? I don't know. I I, I think that. Probably guys are going to get so calloused all this, and they'll just say, "You know what? If I lose him, I can go get another one." And um, so it ends up, you know, coaches using that uh, instead of being worried about it. That would be a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, uh, because I'm, I guess I'm so. Uh, you know, for me, being a teacher, you know, I just thought this was a time in everybody's life, these kids' life, where they go through so many of these changes. And, you know, it's an 18-year-old, high, an 18-year-old college freshman is so different than a 22- or 23-year-old college mm-hmm. senior. It's just amazing. I mean, it's it's not even fair to look at the two. But for me, I I always wanted to be a part of that, and I enjoyed being a part of that. And so it would bother me to to have them coming and going like that, and that you know not being able to be part of their lives as much as I wanted to be or would have been if it were in the old school situation. Coach, I want to ask you about: uh, Do you keep uh, an ear or an eye on Arizona high school football? And, and I'm at Chandler, where uh, where Riola was at to to Pinnacle. Uh, where he transferred to, and not just him, but a, but a lot of guys. What's what's the the high school situation like in, in Arizona? And I mean, there's just just a ton of quarterbacks that, that the college football world goes to your neck of the woods to go get kids for their next uh, for the next guy in, in their it, program. It, there are a ton of quarterbacks. You're exactly right. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure. I'd have to see the stats on it. But there can't be a state that pr- produces more high level college quarterbacks. Uh, then maybe maybe California mm-hmm. 
but uh, and I'm sure Texas is in there, but but Arizona's become one of those, and it's because a little bit because of the weather, you can be outside all the time, and uh, I think because of the coaches, I think there's really a good group of coaches down here. Um, you know, most of these kids, most of these schools are, are really good, and so academically. Uh, they're established. Mm-hmm. I think the Pac-12. Every school in the country, every school in the Pac-12 recruits down here very heavily, and so I think that influences mm-hmm. it as well to have coaches coming in all the time from all the Pac-12 schools, and they're they're coming for skill kids primarily, and so I think that that has a little bit of influence on it as well. But yeah, it's it's really been an outstanding area for quarterbacks. Coach, we were talking about fan bases and, and road environments, and it goes back to the Illinois student section for basketball. What's the rudest or toughest student section you faced as a coach and as a player? Um, the rudest? I'll tell you, one of the most fun as a coach was Kansas. Really? Uh, oh, my gosh. The kids were right behind you, and they were so funny. I I would be talking to a player, and one of these kids would say something, and I, I would have to break out laughing. Uh, it was just funny. I don't know why. It just happened to be that way. Uh, you know, the toughest place for us for in the Big Ten was, was Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Big 12, Oklahoma was tough. Kansas was fun. Um, Texas Tech was entertaining as well. That was pretty crazy. That horse. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that was crazy uh, at Texas Tech. But uh, that was about it. But they were all fun. You know, you look you look forward to going to them. You really did. Well, what's the? I got a sixty seconds. What's the story behind the antlers in Missouri? The antlers? Yeah. Oh. The, 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 the student group, the antlers, were you familiar with that? Was that? No, what? you know what? They came in way after I, was, I left. I've heard about them. I know about them, but I don't know much about them. So I can't give you much okay. history on that one. Well, uh, they, they were uh, infamous uh, back in the day. I don't know that they're around anymore. but Yeah, I don't either. I was yeah. wondering. Coach, have a good weekend. Uh, swing the clubs, all right? And uh, we'll get caught up soon, all right? All right, guys. Great being with you. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Gary Barnett, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Now, if the Antlers were able to pull off a heist of Little Red, do you think they'd be able to get the Buffalo? Ralph, no. Ralphie, yeah. Oh, I'd, 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 I'd pay, pay to pay see to, it. Yeah, that'd be great. Take the words right out of my mouth. Right. Yeah, I'd pay to see I mean, that. I mean, there's been some good, like, live mascot heists through the years. I mean, they, we haven't had one in a while. Well, good luck. You need about seven trank darts. <laughs> Maybe more. You might. I mean, depends on how much Coors Ralphie's had. Amir Abdullah, next on Hale Varsity Radio. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, an all-time Husker. And uh, going into year nine with the NFL, a great season with Vegas. Amir Abdullah back with us at Amir Guapo on Twitter. Amir, what's going on, man? Uh, time flies from signing day to now it's it's eight years going into year nine in the league. How you been? Man, it's, <laughs> I've, been, I've been wonderful for starters, man. But just hearing you say that back, it's really surreal, honestly. It's gone by so fast and I feel like I was just on campus at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. And uh, I can't believe I'm heading into year nine now, so it's, it's definitely a special feeling. Man, I feel you blink. And I remember talking to you on signing day. You were doing a TV interview, and then you gave us like five minutes for the radio show, bless your heart. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awesome. And, and to see it, it shake out. So what is the here and now for you? What are you doing? Uh, playoffs, Super Bowl around the corner. How are you how are you unwinding or are you gearing back up? Um, typically I take a little time to unwind. You know, the NFL season is very, very long and it's, it's only gotten longer since we made that amendment to the CBA a couple of years ago to add a game. But uh usually I take a, like a week or two to unwind. I just actually I actually just got back from Hawaii. So uh, woe is me, tough life. <laughs> just got back from Hawaii. Um, I'm actually currently in L.A. visiting some family. I um, have some business here as well. So uh, taking care of a little business while also trying to mix in a little pleasure mm. is just typically how my month goes if uh, the team I'm on doesn't make the playoffs, which unfortunately we did in the season. So um, on the bright side, it gives me time to you know visit family, people I don't get to see uh, as regularly as I w- would like to. And then uh, training starts <laughs> pretty much next week for me. So just getting back on the horse, getting back to the fundamentals. I've always been big on that. And uh, let's, let's get back on this ride. <laughs> Amir Abdul is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So what did you do in Hawaii, or did you just uh, just find the beach? Well, I actually went to the Big Island. It was my first time going to the Big Island. Uh, I chose there just because it was uh, probably the the least amount uh, of, like, building and just, like, uh, society that you can find on any of the islands of Hawaii. Um, I usually take one solo trip a year. So this was my solo trip. I uh, really wanted to visit some of the sacred valleys that they have there. Um, over my time in the, in the NFL, I've really become really uh, a lover of nature. You know, just getting out and separating myself from too much uh, stimulation, whether that's people, whether that's the Internet, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. I try to take one trip a year just to uh, decompress and uh, I really wanted to get down to some of the sacred valleys and uh, waterfalls that they have on the Big Island. And then just the different assortment of beaches. I don't know if you guys know, but they have a green sand beach. They have a blue sand beach. They have a black sand beach. And they also have a normal, you know, colored sand beach and uh, on the Big Island. And that's because of the you know, the terrain that surrounds the water in that area. Uh, why those sand, the sand forms those different colors. And it's just really interesting. You know, it's, it, it gives you a time to sit back and just become more present about uh, life, being around nature, things that are just moving at a natural course as opposed to just all these man-made schedules that we put on ourselves that can kind of be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So uh, just getting, getting the time to do that definitely helps you, you know, take on those man-made constructs as you get back to regular schedule programming. Man, any time, tour guide, right? Give me the the Amir Abdullah tour. <laughs> I'm your guy. Of, I, of I the... need to start a blog. I actually need to start a blog. My uh, 
my um I would say my history of travel is getting pretty extensive now. So I'm pretty sure I've been to a lot of places that people also want to go. So like you said, Adam Guapo on Twitter. <laughs> Let me know if I should start a blog, guys. Let me know. That'd be good. I, I you know, international for me has been been Mexico and I got to Ireland this year. That was uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. That was interesting to cover uh, with Nebraska opening up across the the mm-hmm. pond and do uh, do radio from uh, from pubs was was it was awesome. But uh, the game for Nebraska fans was was not. Let's go there, oh, Amir. We'll get into year nine in a moment. But you've got a pretty unique uh, perspective because because you've had a chance to play for for Coach Rule. Tell, have, tell, tell Nebraska it, fans about him, man. Man, actually, for starters, me and my father, we were talking about, um, you know, just Nebraska in general and how special that place is to me. And I was trying to get back once a year. And last year was actually my first year that I didn't get to get back to Nebraska in any capacity. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, moving and traveling for me, moving from uh, Minnesota to the Panthers to, you know, signing with the Raiders that following offseason. And um, I'll definitely say this. Matt Rule definitely was the most personable coach I've ever had in the NFL, and he was the coach that I had for the shortest extent in the NFL. I only played, I think, seven or eight games with with, uh, Matt Rule joining him midseason, but he was the first coach to ever invite me to his house. And it, it was it was such a shocker to me because, you know, I was in year eight and I had kind of compartmentalized, you know, this is work, this is mm. business. It's still football when I'm around my teammates, but when it comes to administration or coaches, kind of got to, you know, tighten up your tie a little bit and stand a little straighter. But he's a guy who actually wants you to loosen that tie a little bit. He wants you to really get to know him. He really wants to know you and your family. He still checks on me to this day and was checking on checking up on me. Uh, before he actually even signed uh, to be the next head coach in Nebraska. And it just speaks volumes to, you know, the type of character I feel like he's going to bring. But on the same time, he's a guy who really, really understands the game of football. He understands offensive schemes wonderfully, which I think Nebraska over the last couple of years, um, I think that's where they struggled the most, uh, you know, up front a little bit and then mm-hmm. probably a little bit on the defensive line. But I could say just consistency on offense has been uh, a big telling point for Nebraska over the last couple of years. So I'm excited to see exactly what kind of offense uh, they're going to bring, you know, coming in this year and uh, what to expect. I will be at the spring game, though. So I'm looking forward to seeing the new regime under Matt Rule. Amir Abdullah is with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. You will or won't be at the spring game. I, I missed that. Sorry. As I will. Sorry. Oh, good, As good. I no, I, I, well, good, man. That'll be, that'll be good. And so were you just blown away? Because you're right. The NFL is so a cold, it's business. And yeah. he invited you in. So what was that experience like? What did, was it just dinner? Did you guys just order a pizza? What was, yeah, the, what was so, the deal? So um, what he did every Thursday of every week of the season, you would invite someone on the, um, one of the position groups to his house position groups. And I think he also extended this to the strength and conditioning staff as well after he ran out of position groups. <laughs> and um, I was able to go twice uh, because just my unique role there with the Panthers. I was kind of like a receiver, but also, you know, I'm, I'm a running back at, at heart. So I, I got to go with the receivers and um, he had a chef come in and they cooked us, you know, barbecue. Um, we were watching the Thursday night game. Um, he showed us his wine collection, um, got to meet his kids, got to meet his wife and other close people to him. And uh, he just welcomed us into his beautiful home in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
And uh, we, we just really broke bread. You know, I really felt like he had taken the cloak of, of being a coach off. And he was just one of the guys kicking, kicking it with us in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's a he's an East Coast guy, so he kind of has a certain swag to him that's uh, very confident and very laid back and very loose. And it, it really felt like I was hanging out with an uncle or something like that. It was a really, really special experience. And I was able to do it twice, you know, later, a couple weeks later with the running back group. Um which it, it was nothing short of just like amazing, you know, to to see a coach be able to put his guard down like that, to see a coach who um, has found success pretty much at every level that he's been at, uh, to be able to bring himself down to uh, talk to rookies, you know, and talk to practice squad guys. And then you got guys like me and then guys like Christian who had, you know, been mm-hmm. in the league for a long time. And he was all talk- he's talking to us all in the same plane. And I really respect that because – not saying my previous coaches wouldn't have done that, but they had it. You know, I, I had never experienced it before, so it definitely left a, a mark on me. So when um, right before he took the job at Nebraska, you know, he texted me and he was asking me a lot of questions about Nebraska. So I, I started to, you know, uh, get my insider insider uh, news going in my group <laughs> chats with everyone I have, like Will Compton, Josh Mitchell, Quincy, and one. We are we are all still in group chat, so I felt special breaking the news a little bit early, telling them like, yo, I think Matt Rule's gonna get the job, and you know, I think it'd be good for Nebraska just because I feel like the you know the leadership role obviously has been you know the most important thing at the University of Nebraska. Who's the head man? You know, what is his energy? Is he fiery like Bo? Is he kind of laid back and quiet like Matt? Um, um, uh, Coach Riley, mm-hmm. or is he kind of between, uh, uh, like you know, Coach Ross, Coach Ross most recently? And I feel like that rule is definitely going to bring a mixture of all those things that I just alluded to, uh, but but in his own creative and uh, flair. You know, he's a guy who's very confident. He's a guy who knows ball. He's a guy who um, really cares about people, and I think that's going to help kids really get comfortable and buy into Nebraska because, you know, with the new NIL stuff and all the new transfer rules, I feel like a lot of kids kind of um, have one foot in and one foot out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say they're wrong about that. You know, that's just a different experience than I had. That wasn't something that I had the luxury of doing, you know, to have one foot in, one foot out. Once you commit it, you kind of are there, you know. And today you don't really have that, um, uh, that uh, I would say – that reality, you know, necessarily. And I think having a guy who can make you feel like you're at home um, as a player here at Nebraska is going to be really important just to, you know, keep your team together and um, just to be able to build. Because, you know, it's hard to build when you got guys leaving every mm. every other day, every year. And uh, I, I think uh, it's probably the biggest challenge he has ahead of him. And I don't think it's any, any guy that at least I've played for that would be better off um, leading a team in this type of new generation of football that we see in college football right now. Good stuff with Amir Abdullah. A few more minutes with Amir, an extended sit-down with the Husker great and uh, member of the Vegas Raiders. We'll talk NFL with Amir. More on his time with Amir Abdullah and Matt Rule. And great perspective there. Not only the ability to, to go to Coach Rule's house, that, that surprised Amir quite a bit just because the NFL's corporate and cold and you could be signed one day and cleaning out your locker the next. It's 53 men and practice squad. But just Amir's insight on, on the leader that Nebraska will need 
at the front of the program, and, and he's you know he's buying stock, and, and he'd know firsthand. So well, how about, that was pretty impressive. How about Amir also making his foray into becoming a Husker football insider, getting the, getting the scoop first? Hey, Amir, <laughs> what do you think about Nebraska? I have a chance to coach there. Coach, uh, head that way, please. Hey, Will. Hey, Josh. Hey, Quincy. Guess what? Dot, dot, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. dot. It wasn't, hey, Chris Schmidt, guess what, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it was. But maybe, but, but maybe it wasn't. <laughs> uh, more with Amir Abdullah. Hale Varsity continues on. want to remind you about getting buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska. Uh, alcohol, uh, impaired driver is involved with. So why take chances if you drink? Don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More on Coach Rule with Amir Abdullah next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Amir Abdullah is with us. A couple of minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. It's great to get caught up with one of the uh, all-time greats uh, for Nebraska you, you mentioned Rule's connection with, with the players. And, and Amir, it sounds like he just is great at, at knowing what he needs to do to win, uh, but also how Nebraska can, can go about doing so in the league. There's, there's, a, yeah. there's a humbleness, but there's also like the guy can motivate. And that's the biggest thing to me is guys want to go kill it for him. And, yeah. and, and that, that, that could be different uh, for Nebraska in a good way. The, the best thing about Matt Rule is he understands situational football. And, I mean, if you look at Nebraska over the last couple of years, we had some games that probably could have changed the momentum uh, of our season. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one game I think of specifically is really the game you alluded to uh, uh, in Ireland last year. You know, so we, a couple of situational calls were made at that point and it kind of changed the momentum of the game. And uh, the first thing that um, I remember when I got to the Carolina Panthers playing with Matt Rule was our team meetings were extremely long, <laughs> like way longer than what you typically would get from, uh, you know, any other team that I've been on before. And then uh, I will also say the Raiders' uh, team meetings were longer. That's just because uh, Matt Rule and Josh McDaniels are really big on situational football, understanding what's going on in the game, what we may potentially call given the down and distance, the time on the clock, understanding the difference between the two minute before the half and the two minute before uh, at the end of the game, uh, and just understanding the different four point plays that you may find yourself in in the red zone, defensively and offensively, and once you start to play with that that kind of awareness, you can uh, play faster. You can see things happening before they happen. And Matt Rule really takes his time to uh, educate the players on those different situations that I kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really going to be big for a lot of college players because it's not just playing ball when you get you know, to the next level and then the highest level in the NFL. It's about becoming a pro and a scientist almost in situational ball because he can't just be the quarterback who understands it. And I'm sure he's going to start there, you know, educating the, the quarterbacks that we have in our room uh, at Nebraska on the different situations to lead the team. But if you got, you know, a couple of old linemen also echoing the different situation in the, in the huddle or you got your, your safety echoing the, you know, situation in the defensive huddle, that'll take your team a long way. You know, it, it makes the game more interesting. And I think that's the level of uh, IQ 
that he can bring to the Nebraska squad that I, I remember talking to a lot of guys who I played in the league with who went to Bama, and they had that experience with Nick Saban, mm-hmm. right? You know, he's a guy who had experience in the NFL. He's a guy who had tremendous success in the college ranks. And, you know, that, that was the difference. You know, like, Bo would definitely talk a lot of situational football with the defense, but, you know, offense wasn't necessarily his forte. So, you know, we, we didn't necessarily have that, you know, on our side, but Coach Coach Rule having that experience defensively and offensively and really, you know, taking the time to break the game down to uh, situational segments makes the game mean more and makes you play with a different intentionality as the game progresses. And I think that that will help players play smartly. You know, like if it's before the, the half and you have the ball, you're about to go score and there's two minutes left, you don't want to get out of bounds right away. You know, you want to run that clock. You want to make sure when you cross that 50, you get in the green zone and the red zone, that you're going to be the last one with the possession. You don't want to be running out of bounds, stopping the clock and things of that sort. And those are things that can help you in the second half where if you can steal that extra um, possession from them, then it may uh, keep uh, you in a place of uh, – you know, advantage throughout the game. And those are those are more, the important details that can win that game against Northwestern or I can edge out of Wisconsin and put you in a better situation to win a Big Ten West. Amir Abdul is with us. You nailed it with the details being a different animal, uh, NFL and Big Ten for sure. Amir, we started off the conversation talking year nine. Uh, what is the horizon? Is it is it Vegas for year two? Is it somewhere else? Do you know yet? Uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. You know, I've been in uh, discussions with my agent about a few teams, actually. Um, I, I love Vegas. You know, I would love to be back in Vegas. I believe in what we have there, what we can build there. Um, obviously, last year did not necessarily work out the way we, we feel like. But uh, just speaking personally, I know the talent we have on that team is tremendous. We have a lot of guys who can, you know, be playmakers, a lot of guys who can really just uh, be a force, you know, to reckon with offensively and defensively. And um, I know how the NFL is. You know, one year may look sour, and the next year may be the sweetest year of your life. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of shape up in Vegas. I would love to be back there, but, you know, uh, I definitely want to continue to be in a place that gives me the opportunity to be uh, the playmaker that I am, which, you know, I think the Vegas uh, Raiders kind of gave me that opportunity last year. I'm looking just to build on uh, build on that more. You're versatile, you're experienced, you're a good uh, locker room guy. You catch the football, can still run it, you return it, so there's there's a ton of value. You're feeling good. I mean, do you feel like you got a lot more, many more years with in, in you is the question. I do. I do, man. It's actually funny. Uh, I was talking to my agent the other day, and he's like, how old are you again? 27? I was like, dude, I'm actually 29. He was like, 29? I was like, yeah, man. I actually, I got, I, got a, I got a blood test recently, and they said, biologically, I'm 23 years old. Can you believe that? 23 years old. And I, I'll go back to what I, how I started off the conversation earlier. Um, just resetting your spirit, man. If you keep a young spirit, you keep a young mind, I promise your body will follow suit. And I have to give credit to that. You know, obviously my diet and my training as well. I've, you know, over the last, you know, six or seven years, I've really, um, focused on that and, um, make sure I'm doing things that are helping me, uh, build my longevity as opposed to taking, taking that away. But, I believe it's the young spirit, man. I, I like to have a lot of fun. I like to do things that are kind of like kid, kid, you know, spirited. And I think that's what it is. So, honestly, I think I can play another five more years. You know, I'm going into year nine if I, if I want to. You know, I can mm-hmm. play another five years. 
And if, you know, the good Lord uh, has that in my, my future and this path for me, then uh, I, I definitely feel like I can play as long as I, as I want to. And that's always my goal, you know, stop playing whenever I'm not having fun with it anymore. And that has not hit me yet. So I am uh, I'm still on this journey. Well, uh, 23-year-old blood, I am, I am not going to get a blood test. I don't want to know how old. Uh, they, they, they say you can sell it on the black market. That's actually my next move. Well, some blood you're a, sell on the black market. Man, that's the way to do it. And and then the broadcast booth likely for you somewhere, man. That'd be awesome. Amir Abdullah with us. Uh, find him on Twitter, at Amir Guapo. And uh, much success to you, Amir. We'll uh, bump into you hopefully for the spring game, bud. But thanks for the time, and always great to chat with you. Uh, thank you, Chris. There he is, Amir Abdullah. Dion asking, does he have any eligibility left? Uh, no, sadly no. But you blink and it's year nine for Amir Abdullah. And it was fun to watch him in Vegas and we'll see where he ends up. But just a great perspective there. We spent probably two thirds of the interview on his time with Rule. And that's just good insight in the, the, the football IQ part, the attention to detail. It, it sounds common, but that's really a difference maker, and it's been a difference maker in this league. Really quickly, what's your favorite Amir Abdullah moment at Nebraska? There's a couple. You got that McNeese State touchdown. You got the Michigan touchdown late. Uh, you got that first down against Northwestern on fourth and 20 or whatever. I think the Amir Abdullah moment that represents him is him diving on a fumble inside the five against Purdue, and Nebraska's up by 28 points. Mm. He dove on a fumble, hurt his knee his senior season, and still finished out the year against Sparty at Wisconsin. It was him literally taking one for the team. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday. Big thanks to Gary Barnett. Major thanks to Amir Abdullah. And always awesome to spend time with Brandon Vogel, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Reminder, the Hale Varsity Radio Show presented to you by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. We got things kicked off talking signing day and some uh, some projections here for uh, hit rate for Nebraska. But we also focused in on the old Orange Crush, the Illinois student section that was planning on a roadie to Iowa City only to have their uh, their their deeds uh, foiled. exposed yeah, and then foiled. foiled. So Elijah's done some homework when it comes to visiting fan bases. And apparently the Fordham Rams, they played Fordham last year, right? Uh, not like two, 20, two years ago. Yes. Yeah. 2021. Thank you. Two years ago. And that was, that's where Vince Scully went. And I think that's also where Vince Lombardi went. So the point of it, though, is is whoever takes the Fordham Ram, whoever took the Fordham Ram, really introduced, really introduced that poor Ram to some bad habits. We talked about the curtain of shame at Arizona State. Tough, tough places to play or go. Arizona State in 1996 was kind of our personal Schmidt uh, worst experience ever. 
not just game, but experience. Boulder's always been interesting. I hear Manhattan's no fun. Both of you guys have um, had some tamer adventures, but did they did, – did, Fordham's rival is who? NYU for the most okay. part. NYU for the most part. Uh, there's a couple other teams that were known to kidnap their Ram, and that's where I'm going with this. I th- Iona did it once or twice. Okay. This this Ram, there's this been like Ram. 20 different iterations of it because it keeps on getting stolen. Well, let's get Is into it. Is there still a live mascot? I don't believe so. Not okay. anymore. I believe it was eventually retired in like 75. Okay. But Ramsey's one back in the 20s was kidnapped by NYU and taken to a slaughterhouse. Uh, so they replaced Ramsey's one with Ramsey's two, at which point NYU kidnapped Ramsey's two and took him to a slaughterhouse. That sounds like a war crime. <laughs> Ram- a little bit. <laughs> what is going on here? The 20s were a different time. Ramsey's the, <laughs> Ramsey's the third, rather than being killed by uh, a rival school, was killed by the Fordham rifle team because he repeatedly <laughs> ran away. What? And assaulted. What is New- happening? New York trains, the subways. Terrible. <laughs> so the 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 city of New York sentenced the Fordham Ram to death. Oh my god! The Fordham rifle team executed him. Uh, let's see the the Fordham. This <laughs> poor Ram. The Fordham student section accidentally killed Fordham uh, Ramses the eighth because they kept on giving him alcohol following Fordham yeah, wins, and he died of sure. cirrhosis. So he died of a of liver failure? Yes. Jesus. Did, one, did one just eat uh, tobacco? Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, Ramses the fourth. He enjoyed uh, cigarettes, not smoking them, eating them. So they, they fed Ramsey the fourth cigarettes. Well, that's hilarious. That's Arguably the best live mascot of all time with how the rival student sections treated him. Or his own student section. That's so but, but by the end, Ramsey's, the, the last ones were all living in a two-bedroom home that was built by an alumni of Fordham just for the Ram with running water and, and well, amenities. Well, I mean, after all that torture, they kind of deserve it, yeah, right? Two-bedroom home in New York City. There we have it. That's worth $7 million <laughs> now. <laughs> exactly. We'll be back tomorrow uh, at 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity uh, podcast is Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. A Huda Media Production.